savings time disappear. Boy, it gets dark real fast. It reminds you what winter's all about. I'm Peter Bergman. My co-host David Osmond is up in Whidbey Island, uh, where he tells me they are enjoying the last day of summer. And it's Radio Frias in your ears. And before I even go and, and, and catch up with Dave, just want to remind you that we really appreciate your contributions. Slow but steady. Let's pick up on them. It's RadioFrias.com. Big green button says push it and and you get a chance to PayPal us uh, whatever you can afford. Uh, think of it as uh, a way of saying Thanksgiving for Radio Free Oz. And how are you doing there, Dave? Well, it is, in fact, the last day. So they tell me. It's the last day, uh, beautiful day of the year. Um, there's an enormous storm, everybody must know about it, coming down from uh, Alaska. And that should uh, impact uh, the Straits of Juan de Fuca, and we should be getting big waves and big winds and lots of winter time. And that that's supposed to be tomorrow, but you never know, you know. Well, why doesn't it? You know the the uh, you know what we say the the retail value for houses is so much lower in Alaska. You'd think the storm would settle there instead of coming down into the you know the luxury area of the United States. But you never know. You know, it certainly doesn't want to stay in Canada. There's really not much to do there. No, it's pretty it's pretty quiet up there. Like, come down to the beach houses and, you know, yeah. wreck, wreck, wreck a few beach houses. Uh, you know, you can work your way down to Malibu and uh, you can work your way down up. to you. <laughs> well, by the time it gets down to here, it'll be gentle zephyrs, you know. Yeah, That's sure. the way it is. So uh, the island is quite beautiful today, and um, and and it's a busy it's a busy time. It's a busy time, especially for me because I've got a bunch of shows, including the Firesign Theater coming up. Yes, and indeed. It's a, it's, oh, it's it's a busy prep time, and my birthday, and all kinds of things. Well, let me tell you, Dave. Uh, um, it's it's been quite a week here. I don't know. Did you have the opportunity to see your favorite eight eight garden gnomes perform <laughs> in the bankrupt state of Michigan? Uh, yes, where they where they uh, denied uh, that it was a good idea to put the auto workers back to work. That's going to help yeah, them. Yeah, I mean that was just one of many things that made you ask yourself: Is it really the as I called uh, today's everything you know is wrong? Eight bozos versus reality. There's they they seemed on all levels, to be out of touch. Forget about the left and right politics. Just, you know, look at where the country's at. And you think, okay, here are eight major politicians running to be president of the United States and take on the whole schmagegi themselves. And they're talking about anything but what's going on, you know? Oh, and yeah, just, yeah. And, and, of course, the big news was <laughs> guess who's coming to dinner had a bad week. Uh, the, the guess who's coming to dinner garden gnome. Uh, oh, you're ta- you're talking about Kane. Kane, yeah. Um, uh, he had he had a he had a troublesome week, but here's what really bothers me about it: is yeah. suddenly, and I think this is going to um, reflect badly on the Kane uh, campaign. They're now accusing the women who are accusing Kane of uh, sexual harassment. They're 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 trying to get them. They're trying to, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that well, for, isn't yeah. going to work. Women don't like that. No, and women of all political tastes doesn't you'll, you'll, matter. It's yeah. it's a pisser. You don't want to do that. You say, oh well, it's all her fault. Uh uh-uh. uh we learned and, that a long time ago. 
Well, it's here's how they're saying it's her fault. First of all, uh, uh, Miss Bialik, right? Mm-hmm. Sharon Bialik, mm-hmm. she's gone bankrupt. She's a personal bankrupt. So, you know, that's the first thing. How can you believe anybody who's gone personally bankrupt when they charge you of not only uh, sexual harassment, David, but uh, according to the legal people that have been talking, what she's accusing him of is criminal, criminal harassment. That's not just, uh, hey, uh, you know, my 999. No, he's, he's crawling up her skirt and pushing her head down towards his crotch. Mr. President, <laughs> that has to do that, and that has to do with um, that. In, in in that, it's criminal. In that, it had to do with job seeking. No, in the fact that it was forced. It oh, was physical. That force. hand, that hand behind the head, huh? That'll do it. Yeah, Ooh. that that you know, that's considered basically a, a sexual assault, not harassment. Well, where assault comes up, there is no way. That he's going to be president anyway. So let's just let's just dispose of Herman Cain. Well, wait a minute for, for just a second. I got to hand you, Herman Cain something. Yeah, here. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me tell you, Herman. We've been waiting for it. The whole country has been waiting for the GOP to come up with a jobs plan, right? Oh yeah. Well, he's got one. You want a job? Screw the boss. You want to? You want to get ahead? Give it. And that that that's the only jobs plan that's come forward, except deregulate and cut taxes, and let's let's just put you know we gotta we gotta like dig up all that oil and all that sort of stuff. Well, Herman also, by the way, there's another way he's attacking her. He hired a um, private detective. Let me see what's the guy's name. Hired a private detective named T.J. Ward out of Atlanta. I love these private detectives with two initial names, you know, T.J. Ward, who used software. They're not telling us what kind of software. We're just supposed to be so impressed that they use the word software. Oh, they use software to analyze speeches by Mr. Kane and Sharon Bialik. Early this week, the campaign, the Kane has a new campaign uh, thing up called, uh, this is just to, to wreck women, Canetruth.com which is up there only to attack the character of these women who are attacking him. And here's what T.J. Ward says. Kane is innocent. When he directly talks about the allegations against him, there is no high risk, said Ward. It is low risk, which tells me he is being truthful in his conversations in the public. That's the left. That's it. That's where he's at. Well, I'm glad, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's got some software. I thought all he had was hardware. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, who knows what sort of software those people are using. But I'll tell you, man, I watched that debate and I was I knew that something was going to happen aside from the fact that I don't know where they got that audience. But that audience was ready to cheer at anything that was perverse. Right. They booed the uh, the people who were asking the questions like, what about sexual assault? Right. Boo. Oh, don't talk about that. And uh it was the great uh, Governor Perry moment. You saw it, right? Tell, well, me. I'll, I'll, I'll Tell us all. It was a great oh, moment. Oh, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I felt bad for him, too, actually. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to ax three. First of all, the idea. <laughs> it's only, only three things. I mean, that's what's so pathetic about it. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the concept of cutting out entire Government organizations, major factors in our economy and our governance, right? Education, commerce, and, and uh, 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 energy. <laughs> oh, I mean, 
Uh, That alone, whether he could have rattled them off, you know, in 565 nanoseconds is just outrageously stupid. And he's not the only one. It's the nutty professor that wants to close everything down. Yeah, we're talking about Newt, the you know, the sparkler buyer, uh, (laughs) Gingrich. Yeah, sparkles. We ought to call him Sparkler or New, Sparkles. Newt the Sparkler. Yeah. Well, you no, can use like the garden gnome with sparklers in his hat. In his hat. That's the way. That's how. That's yeah, we should have a yeah. name for each one of them. Like you know, Sleepy and Dopey. He's he's spark. He's sparky. 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 Right. Yeah. And of course, and and uh, 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 what's his name? Perry is Dumbo for sure, or Dummy, or stupid, or whatever it is. But the, the thing about the thing about Gingrich, and it's very possible that we could be looking at if it happens. A Romney Gingrich ticket. Now there's a strong one to go to get put your put your ass behind. Mm. This man is in love with himself. He is the most deeply self-admiring person on that stage. He thinks he is so clever. The fact that he surrounded himself with seven other people who, with the exception of Huntsman, who's such a wuss you can't even he can't even get to you, right? He thinks he's just the brightest thing up there, and he's he's in love with any idea. He's an idea junkie, David. You know. Yeah. It, and and I know he talks to himself in his sleep. You can just tell how. Look at that smirk he gets on his face when he starts talking. Right. Oh man, I'm I'm hearing the great Newt Gingrich. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. You yes, you're very lucky to hear Newt Gingrich. You're very lucky that he's here. That's right. You think vice presidential timber, eh? Timber, I timber, <laughs> timber. Well, um, the fact is, is that he, they may be the only two left. Okay, I mean P- Perry's gone. Everybody's saying he is just plain toast. I mean, spread some jam on him and eat him. He's just toast. Peaked and gone. And and Santorum and Bachman are not an issue. Ron no, no. Paul. Ron Paul was just obnoxious last night. When he, you know, you you know a lot of people who have real uh, burdened by student loans. I know plenty, right? Oh, yeah. And I know both, both students and people out of professional school and in business. And he has the chutzpah to say, well, the market will take play, play, will take care. All they got to do is use the same approach to buying their education as they do to buying a BlackBerry. That's what he said. Hmm. As if there's a there's a, there's an um, um, an equation. Mark between a two hundred dollar phone and a hundred thousand dollar loan. I mean, this guy is—it's you know—he's it, not it, stupid. You know, he's well, he's no, a, he's not stupid, and and he's and he's right about some things. I mean, you yeah. know, in in it's, it's the the Defense Department budget, I think he uh, he's got a pretty good uh, pretty yeah. good fix on that. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a wonderful column in the Times earlier uh, the week that really took down the um, the figures from the Defense Department. Uh, yeah, really laid out what could realistically be cut because we're not fighting the Soviet Union. Not that we ever did. We're not uh, having battles at sea with who? Japan. I don't think we're likely to do that again. No. Uh, so cut it back, cut it back, cut it down. Why do we need all those all those guys, uh, you know, across the former Iron Curtain line? Because you know? of weaponized Keynesianism. 
That's why. Yeah. Just like Krugman says. Actually, it was uh, somebody else came up with that name, Fazio or Frank or Dodd or someone. It's just fine to spend billions of dollars to pump prime the economy with government tax dollars as long as the, the, the product that you're pump priming doesn't make any good business sense. Because then you can be accused of, you know, doing the business that, that other businesses can do. You don't expect the F-22 to pay off any dividends, Right. Oh, so oh, no, it's, it's fine. It's it's it, it employs people. Yeah. This is the it, Republican defense against everything that that you know you don't like is that it you know it, it these all these rules all these regulations they they defeat employment. Uh, this is the only way we can have people employed. Uh, yeah. w- whereas, of course, if the government simply uh, employed people. Uh, to uh, repair the bridges and do all of those necessary infrastructure things. And hey, how about painting a few murals and writing a few guidebooks and a return to the WPA would be a really good idea about now. Because about not, ra- not everybody knows how to build a bridge. Yeah, well, maybe some radical uh, plays, the living newspaper returns, maybe call it the living internet. And we could do, you know, we could bring, we could get all kinds of, all kinds of interesting stuff going, but there's no sense of that, David, because there is so much entertainment and so much ignorance because of the couch potato society that nobody even notices that the bridges are bad until they fall down. And then it's, how could you let this happen? You know, Uh, another government, it's the government's fault. How could you let this happen? Yeah, 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 and that, and you know, last night, Mitt Romney. Okay, he's supposed to be the guy that at least has his head on his shoulders, that he's smart enough. Mitt Romney stands up and says, "And I'm going to make sure that there's parity between public workers and private workers because there's no reason that public workers should be earning more for the same job." It is absolutely false. There's there's a, a study that came out within the last week that somebody ought to shoved up his butt, which said private employees make a lot more than public employees for the same job. If he wants parity, it's going to cost tax dollars. These guys these guys lie and twist and turn. But what what got me, Dave, was that. There was no heart on stage. Yeah. Nobody there. There was no compassion. There was no reality. When they talk about Occupy Wall Street, a Newt says, oh, they have no sense of history. Uh, they ought to get a history lesson, says the, the kooky history professor, you know, as if he knew, as if he knew anything. And, and, and Michelle Bachman, well, she was struggling just to remain relevant. I mean, they've taken her right wing away. She has nothing. Right. I mean, the best way she can make people pay attention is suddenly say, stop. God is talking to me. Wait a minute. I'm going to translate. Everybody be quiet. That'd be the only way now. She's going to get any attention. Well, it was a big it was was a big election week on top of these guys, you know, um, on top of the garden gnomes. Let's shovel a little more shit on top of the garden gnomes there so we can just bury them down to their hats. Uh, Now, I'll tell you what happened here in Washington. You may not realize this, but prohibition was ended thanks to Costco in Washington state. You, you can now sell uh, liquor in, pri- in private stores. Well, pretty darn soon, uh, Costco put up a you know a few a few uh, megatons of money, and right. uh, and it, it's it's the end. Yep, 
Yep, the end of state-supervised, um, uh, state-controlled alcohol, and it's been, it, it, it's this, the state has been controlling it since before prohibition. Washington State um, yeah. had prohibition, and before prohibition was over, nineteen thirty-three, it was over in Washington State because you couldn't run a restaurant. Yeah. The finally the restaurant the restaurant people said, "Look, I mean, we got to be able to serve alcohol. That's the only way we can make a profit." And well, uh, and so I grew up in Ohio with state stores. Uh-huh. I don't know, that's what we called them. I don't know if they still have them. And then I experienced the state stores in Washington when I lived up there with you. And the the fact is is that the prices were extremely high, no competition, and you really felt like you were going into the post office to get drugs. That's right. Yeah, it really felt. Yeah, it just felt like that. So, so, and you know, Costco put in a whole lot of money in another state trying to do the same thing. I don't know if I think it was Oregon. Didn't Oregon also have the same thing up on the ballot? Uh, I believe they did. May may have had. There's about there are some twenty states that still have state controlled liquor, and Uh, so this this will, you know, this will be a a leader in the campaign to, to end those kinds of prohibitions. Yeah, that was a that was the big news uh, in in this state as far as elections go. But they threw out there didn't throw out, but uh, uh, the 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 Ohio even as that was happening in Ohio. Ohio, man, what right. they did to that son of a bitch, Kasich, just Kasich, made me smile. Yeah. Oh, SB5, you know, and what, 60, they beat him 61-39. Yeah, right? big. They just wiped big, him out. Big, big uh, uh, disparity in, in, in votes. And it's, you know, oh, well, I guess we, we went too far too soon. Yeah, well, he did say the people have spoken. He didn't say he was listening. He just said the people have spoken. Well, we did more than that, too. In Mississippi, in Mississippi, they defeated the personhood referendum, which had it gone through, David, somebody gave a list of, first of all, the word person is mentioned in the Mississippi Constitution, nine or or Mississippi law, excuse me, state law, 9,000 times, all right? And it would have meant that like any you, person who crosses the street will, illegally with any person that, who drives it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. For example, there's a good one. If a, mo- a pregnant mother jaywalks, does she get two tickets? OK, <laughs> well, really? And they were saying if you're redistrict- redistricting because of voters, does a pregnant mom have two votes mm-hmm, Okay, mm-hmm. in terms of redistricting? And then it comes down to all sorts of things. Is miscarriage murder? OK. If a woman drinks uh, too much alcohol or, or acts in some way as to cause her baby not to come to term, is that murder? And it goes on and on, this idea of personhood. I mean, could you then, for example, uh, uh, will all of your property to your embryo, and then if you die, your embryo owns it even though it dies with you. I mean, you know, come on. Well, what's this all about? So they beat it, though. And they beat it because some of the church people stood up and said, no, this is too much. Even the even the anti-abortion people stood up and went, no, no, this is too much. This is too far. Carries and it too far. It. Yeah. yeah. Carries too far. There were no no exceptions as as that that phrase no, no. about uh, uh, incest and, and you know, health of the woman. Well, and even, all contra- no. even contraception because it prevented personhood okay but it's gone now, it's gone it's it gone. didn't make it and uh, so do you think this indicates anything about the national political climate 
I do because of one other thing that happened too, oh, David. Oh, in the okay. in the crazy, laughable state of Arizona, they recalled the president of the Arizona Senate. It's never happened in the United States that the leading member of a Senate, a state Senate, has ever been recalled. They recalled him because he was the man that wrote the immigration law that Brewer passed. Okay, mm. they recalled him. He gone. He down, he dead. And replaced him with Jerry Lewis, which I liked a lot. Oh, and the state of Maine, which has been run by the the Tea Party for the last two years, this extreme Tea Party. Well, the Republicans, of course, their only way they can get votes is to keep Democrats from voting, right? That's, you know, uh, never vote. Um, They tried to pass this uh, referendum that disallowed same-day registration. They lost. They lost, yep. They lost, baby. Biggie time. So, yeah, I think indeed that Occupy Wall Street, the overreach with uh, um, uh, collective bargaining, all of these things, these these buttholes are showing their colors. And I think that there is a real turn in process. Take a look at Obama's numbers in uh, the last since. Let me just tell you, I've got them right here. It's kind of like, well, how are you doing, Mr. Obama? I'll tell you what he's done. He was behind generically. Anybody running, including Mickey Mouse, 39 to 45. He's now up 46, 39. So, well, let's say, yeah. And one, yes, he's just turned things around. And one of the reasons is that is that uh, the independents have changed their minds. Okay. And here's why. A new Washington Post ABC News survey finds that 50% of Americans think President Obama is making a good faith effort to deal with the country's economic problems, but Republicans are playing politics by blocking his proposals and programs. 50%, David. 50%, that's, hmm, okay. Mean, uh, independents blame Republicans 54 to 40, while moderates vote blame Republicans, 57 to 37. People are catching on. You know, it takes a long time for people in this country to really get it because we are long suffering and we are not what, you know, like old style uh, European cynical and ready to, to understand what politicians are doing to us instantly. You know, they've been around it for a long time. We're still newcomers. Uh, there was, you know, I mean, how can you pay attention to politics when, uh, you know, when the the head coach or the of you mm-hmm. Penn is, uh, you know, discovered in the bathroom with a little naked boy? I mean, that's that is going to take the public's attention away from well, anything big, that big, it really matters in this country. Here's these big hulky guys lying down in front of buses on the Penn campus. And you think, oh, they're finally protesting. They're protesting the fact that they're getting rid of a popular coach because of a sexual abuse scandal. I mean, you know, lie down for something that's important. Okay, one one other thing. I believe that we are – that this is the dawn of the dead for the GOP. Okay? (laughs) The dawn of the day of the dead, you mean, yes. Dawn of the day of the dead for the GOP. Okay, here's this. A new Univision poll. Univision's big uh, uh, Latino um, uh, television network, right? A new Univision poll of Latino voters in 21 states 
with the largest Latino populations fight President Obama with a strong advantage among the growing demographic group. In general election matchups against the three top Republican contenders, Obama earns between 65 and 68 percent of the vote, Ooh. roughly the same percentage as 2008. Mm -hmm. Key finding. Latinos are not as torn about the president as the rest of the country. 66% of Latinos approve of, of the job Obama has done and only 29% disapprove. I mean, the day of the dawn of the dead of the GOP. <laughs> There's a song there, man. There is a song there. I mean, and after watching that, after watching that debate, how could you not, how could you not know that? You know, if what if there had been lively, intelligent conservatives up there? OK, it's real on conservatives, you know, OK, we we're conservatives. We, we know we have to help things. but We want to do this. We want to do that. No, you had a bunch of idiots blame. By the way, blaming Obama, David, for everything, everything, you know how yeah. everything, everything. It's That's the only answer they had. Well, what would you do about so and so? Well, I'd get rid of Obama. Well, what would you do about this? I'd get rid of Obama. Well, what, that, what the deal is, David, is it turns him into an extraordinarily large figure in everybody's mind. And if you determine that he probably isn't responsible for all of our evils, he still remains a big person in your mind. They're blowing him up while, yeah, they, are yeah, the, while they are being reduced. The the the. Idea of calling uh, the health care bill Obamacare in the first place, I think it, it w was certainly horrible and misleading, but I, I don't think it's working in uh, to their benefit. Uh, I don't think so. No, because no. if you put Obama in front of anything like care or hope or help or health or any of those yeah. good words, you know, yeah. uh, it's not like Obama shit. Oh yeah, oh, uh, uh, Obama um, smear, Obama. You know all those bad words, if there are any, uh, that you could put next to his uh, his name. But you you put it against things that people really kind of want or like or social security. You know, Obama Obama security. Uh, no, well, it's you know, not going to work they, they for they, you. Yeah, it's not like they're talking about the fact that that you know it's big bad Obama, right? This is the man that gave us national health care. Well, it's not perfect. Well, either are you, bozo. <laughs> uh, now, I, I just you know, in the midst of all of this woo wah, okay, I want to I want to give you a little piece of funny, all right? Just because you may have seen this, Did you see about the cleaning lady at the big museum and. <laughs> Read this? No, are, no, are you, you got me. <laughs> no, this is this is it. Marvin Kippenberger's art installation. Here's the name of the installation, David. Mm -hmm. When it starts dripping from the ceiling, was intended to look like a rubber trough that had once been filled with dirty rainwater. Apparently, the artist's work was so realistic that a cleaning person at Germany's Ostwall Museum, where the installation is on display, thought the hand-painted patina was dirt and went to work washing it away. The piece remains on display while insurance reps and the installation's owner evaluate the damage. Some who knew Kippenberger, who died in 1997, believe the sometimes outlandish bad boy artist would have appreciated the cleaning woman's contribution to his work. I'm sure he would have. I'm sure. Oh, he'd have loved it. But here's here's the thing, David. You know, I'm as I say, the I've got some Philistine in my chart. I must because there's so much of this installation art that I think is pure shit. 
I mean that it is a that it's a cruel joke being played on us by non-artists and in collaboration with what do they call who are the people that the uh, uh, that bring things into museums? They're called curators. Curators, yeah. yeah. I think I think it's 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 a criminal conspiracy or a criminal art conspiracy. So here's my because I I walked into the Whitney Museum once and looked at something they must have paid and they pay huge amounts of money for this and there was like two or three. Uh, fluorescent tubes on some sand in the corner. And I thought somebody had forgot to clean up after renovations. But it was like, you know, some piece. Here's the deal. Has any cleaning lady by mistake tried to wipe the smile off the Mona Lisa? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I have to agree with you. Having um, uh, grown up in my, in my 20s in New York City uh, at at just at the point where um, pop art was coming in in the 50s and uh, constructions yeah. and uh, uh, a, a different kind of artwork was coming in, um, I found a lot of that quite exciting. I found Ed Keenholz exciting. I, 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 I found, uh, you know, generally speaking, some interesting things happening. Art was changing. You could look at it a different way. I never was a fan of uh, abstract exp- expressionism, not because I thought it was sloppy and, and messy and stupid, just because I, I'm more interested in, in people, places, and things than I am yeah. in paint on a yeah. canvas. I understand the, the aesthetic behind it. But I, I, it's barely, just barely possible to read the so-called art section of the New York Times. Oh, it's, oh, it's, in the first place, it's 90% ballet these days. Ballet has never been bigger. And I'm not putting it down, you know, but there you have it. And every time there's an exhibition, it's like they've cut holes through the ceiling of a museum so you can slide down. This is an art installation. You slide down. I mean, I know, mm. and, and they and they paid the artist like you know four hundred thousand dollars for it because he figured out to put a slide. It's you know, in some ways, David. I just had a thought, which is, you know, I've been reading about the Victorians a lot, and one of the big movements, art movements, in the Victorians was the Pre-Raphaelites, and they were fabulous, uh, you know, so-called realistic painters you know and i love their work but i realize that with flat screen television most people don't seem to think they need to go to the museum to see pictures do you get it mm-hmm. they don't you know so what do they go to the if you can get them to the museum the only way is if they come in through the roof on a slide yeah some Otherwise, or, or it's good it's good to have somebody in the nude that oh, works. Yes. That works really well too. If you got somebody in a bathtub in the nude, or sitting at a table in the nude, or standing in a doorway in the nude, which yeah. they did, or having a having her child in front of you, as yep. that that's, a, that's an art that's installation art. for you. That's an art installation. So yeah, you know, I mean, these you get HD TV where every frame, regardless of what's going on, whether it's uh, crim crapapian or you know, or it's you know, uh, whatever. Is a beautiful in terms of you know the stunning image, right? The the crispness and all of that. It's quite a picture, okay? And you're getting zillions of them for free. So why should you go go all the way downtown and stand in front of some frame and dig it when you could stay at home and you get oh and afterwards you get the St. Louis Cardinals or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, you know this brings up a problem of scale. Yeah. The reason you go to see the Guernica, or you, you did when it was at the Museum of Modern Art, is because it's a big painting. 
It's like yep. 20 feet by 12. It's a giant piece, you know? Yep. And yep. and in in fact, we have so altered the scale of of everything by reducing it to an iPhone or form, uh, before iPhones it was even worse, you know. Now you've got something 3 by what? 2 2 by 4 inches, something like that. I'm looking at a computer here. I'm looking at you on the computer on the Skype. And this is um less than the size of a sheet of writing paper. It's not eight and a half by 10 even. It's just, you know, you're, there you are, Pete. Um, there, there's a problem of, of, of scale. Muse- paintings in museums have scale. They also have frames which um, separate them from the wall and really separate them from uh, the common experience of, um, let's say, commercials. Uh, mm-hmm. Commercials don't have frames around them generally. They're on bus stands and they sort of run into each other, right? Um, yeah. is, and so the scale problem, which always worried me when people started, uh, you know, uh, going to the Grand Canyon, taking a picture and looking at the picture of the Grand Canyon on their on their iPhone, uh, this yeah. has always troubled me. We have no, you know, there is one, some baseball or is it football stadium, a football stadium that is so gigantic the screen yes. is so huge. It goes from the 25-yard line to the 25-yard line. How can you it's keep a, your eyes on the game? Right. Well, that is the game, David. That's the, that's the, the, giga, the gigathon. Oh, I told you the story about the time I was uh, down on, uh, in uh, Big Sur, and I went to the beach where the huge sea lions come up uh, once a year to mate, and this beach, this huge beach, is just filled with these fabulous creatures. And I'm looking down at them, and a bus pulls up, a huge pink and white Hello Kitty bus. I'm telling this is a true story. <laughs> Hello Kitty bus, right? And out of this bus comes 50 Japanese girls in Hello Kitty outfits, okay? That was scary that's enough. enough. That, that's enough. Okay, stop right there. I'm ready to go. Kill me, okay? I've, <laughs> I've seen it. They come up and surround us, and before I know it, I realize that this one girl is taking pictures of the beach and sending it to her friends who are all watching their iPhones or their Androids or whatever and not looking at the sea lions on the beach and chattering about it. And yeah. then went got back in the bus and hello, Kitty, is now goodbye, Kitty. So, yes, you're yeah, right. The, you we- see, the scale of the world, the scale of the actual thing in front of you is too big. We 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 have are losing perhaps the ability to uh, adapt our eyes and our mental facilities to a scale that's larger than the iPhone, than you yourself, than where you are, you know, in in space. It, it's it, it's it's. It's isolating. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. And it's tunnel vision-esque. I realize, yeah. of course, David, you know, we, they talked about the fact that people who are really routinized, and I'm not talking about everybody but me, we all have our routines, are actually walking through tunnels. But the more you squeeze down your life to smaller and smaller screens, the more narrow your tunnel you know, it really doesn't matter where you are if you're watching your screen. You could be in front of the Grand Canyon. You could be in front of the Aurora Borealis. You could see the, the moon. You know, it could be in a full moon on a harvest night. You could be in Stonehenge. But if you're looking at your iPhone, you could be anywhere. Uh, Dave, before we go any further, uh, we have an ad that's come up now, you know. 
we we can't make money enough just people going, going up. To did video. you go out? Did you go out and get another sponsor, Pete? I got, went out and got another sponsor. Oh, well, I can't help boy. it. They're brand new. They're opening up all over the country. It's the ninety nine percent stores. So why don't we listen to their ad? Okay. Welcome to the 99% store, where the masses huddle to get through the muddle. Today's special are these piss-proof umbrellas from Supply Side that keeps you high and dry when the rich trickle down on you. Too busy looking for that job that isn't there to make your own protest sign? We've got them all, including The Beginning is Near, Let My Children Go to College, I Couldn't Afford a Politician So I Made This Sign, Hungry, Eat a banker, I'll believe corporations are people when Texas executes one, and our Wall Street special, Jump, you fuckers. Are you going nowhere fast? Get healthy behind it with a Paul Ryan Pathway to Prosperity treadmill. Mitt Romney says, half an hour in the morning on Paul's machine gives me the lower body strength for another day of flip-flopping and backpedaling. Occupying Wall Street? Don't join the march without a pack of slimy bastard spotting cards, including mugshots of Lloyd Blankfein, Jamie Dimon, John Paulson, Vikram Pandit, Larry Summers, Tim Geithner, and his dishonor, Michael Bloomberg. Remember, you can't diss him and hiss him if you miss him. And here's a bargain for all you living the unemployed lifestyle. It's the 2012 edition of the Great American Get Back to Work Kit that includes job applications for patty flipping at McDonald's and chicken flicking at Tyson's, a commemorative album for your food stamps, rose-colored night goggles that help you see the light at the end of the tunnel, a wetsuit for double dipping and dumpster diving, and a rainproof begging bowl. It's all at the 99% Store, the home away from home for the soon-to-be homeless. Wow, the ninety nine percent store. Well, I guess that's. I guess that we we got to go shop there now, huh? In solidarity, I mean. Well, I'll tell you, David. I got to tell you, I'm not an envious cat. Generally, I don't envy people their money or their position or their power, or even their girlfriends. But the, the a small group of Occupy Wall Streeters are going to walk from Zuccotti Park in Manhattan to Washington, D.C., to arrive by the 23rd of November when the Super Slooper Committee is supposed to come out with their report, okay, in order to protest the Bush tax cuts, amongst other things. I would love to take that walk. Mm. They're going to walk about eight hours a day, okay, and they have, they're either going to camp out or there's accommodations waiting for them. They're going to have discussions in the evening. They'll pick up people along the way who can walk a day with them or an hour. It doesn't matter. And it's it, I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating. It is, it is this kind of self-disciplined anarchy. You see, a lot of these sociologists, you notice, are coming out of the walls trying to explain what Occupy Wall Street is, you know, as, as how they form and what their dynamic is. And there's some, you know, some of these people who normally speak only in gobbledygook are really trying to explain ideas about it. Some of them are quite fascinating. They are bowled over by this movement and how it, how it's running without leaders and without a specific cause, you know. Yeah, without a program, leading. without a five-point program or whatever. Put mm. panties on animals. It's not that. It's, it's the whole thing, right? It's all... It's raw. It's unfair. It's unequal. It's in everything is uh, the the center is not holding, you know, and we are here to witness it. They are saying with a sense of humor, almost no violence. Uh, they, they still don't figure out who the violence violent types were in in um, Oakland? Oakland, but yeah. they certainly are the outliers, you know. 
Well, Oakland yeah. has Oakland has an, a tradition of, of police violence, and uh, you know oh, it yeah. goes way way back in uh, in Oakland. That's, that's um, true. And, 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 and they had they had less under Jerry Brown when he was mayor, but you know that Occupy Wall Street is going to be there in huge numbers at the both the Republican and Democratic conventions. They're going to have a huge impact. Yeah. And th- there's a few issues that are more paramount than others. They're the ones that have brought income inequality as an actual issue back instead of deficit reduction. They want to talk about the fact that we owe more on on student loans than we do on all of our credit cards. So they want to talk about that too, you know. And and those those are real issues, and even the Republicans are beginning to slip a few populist words into their rhetoric. But it doesn't work because they're so completely tied hand and foot to the extreme right wing ultra rich. All they do is their bidding. I mean, it's I hate to say this because Republicans used to be a really honestly great conservative party, and they've had some great presidents and senators and all that stuff. Now now they're just used tools. And it's sickening, and it's you know, it's it's distressing, Dave. Well, one thing about Occupy Wall Street and uh, and its movements around the world is that you know, winter's coming. But when you mention the 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 conventions, that's yeah. not the winter. That's no. this. And if if um, if Occupy Wall Street can survive the winter in one way or another. Then I think next year is going to be it's going to be the Niagara of the ninety nine percent. I think you're absolutely. I call right. it the the American Spring, David. Ah. All they got to do is make it, you know, past the winter, and they will. They're already being donated various types of anti cold equipment. You know that they're going to be accommodated. There's going to be some, yeah. There's going to be some tragedy from the cold. There's no doubt about it. But they are not going to leave Zuccotti Park. They just aren't. Even if it's down to a couple of Sherpas, mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to be there. And of course, the the movement will only swell in in the West Coast and those parts of the South where the the, the weather isn't nearly so bad. You know, uh, so Dave, uh, I'm going to be up your way with the rest of the Firesign Theater soon. We're going to be in Seattle. Oh boy, do we get to do do we get to do a show together here in Blue U? Yes. Uh, I don't think so, Dave, because I'm uh, I'm going to be staying down in Tacoma, and it's just too long a drive to come up here to come back. Uh, I do, uh, maybe, but I, I doubt it. It's, but in any case, it, it is yeah, a reach. We'll, but you'll be up here in a week. Um, let's see, uh, two weeks, a little more than a week, a little more two than weeks, a week. Yeah, oh. we're gonna, we're gonna, what are the dates? Uh, I just want to tell all of our Washington friends, Oregon friends, friends in Vancouver. It's the seventeenth, seventeenth and eighteenth in uh, in Kirkland, which is across Lake Washington from Seattle. A lot of people don't right. know what state Kirkland is in. I don't know what state it is in either. Um, but we'll be at the uh, Kirkland um, uh, Art Center. Um, it's a very nice venue. Um, I won't say it's you know professionally run, but it is a very nice venue. And then uh, we'll uh, be down in uh, in Oregon, in Portland, uh, one of our favorite places to be. Um, yeah, eighth and the ninth of December. Eighth right? and ninth of December. Yep. And oh, that's going to be fun. I look forward to that. Also, I look forward to Seattle. They're great audiences and get a chance to get back into that lovely area. Always. And, you know, the uh, uh, KPLU, which is the jazz station up here, um, has they got a nice Jones on the Fireside Theater. I got to say they're running. Uh, Phil Austin has done these wonderful commercials uh, for the show. 
they're yeah. they're funny and they're dear and uh, and they're really a pleasure to hear, uh, and they're running them quite frequently on KPLU, and their KPLU is running a campaign uh, that we we're giving away ten tickets, and somebody will win the opportunity to join us on stage. Uh, uh, probably during Nick Danger, you never know, you know. But uh, 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 th- this is uh, this is spreading the word because KPLU is one of those stations that goes border to border to border, and it really is our audience up here. Uh, jazz, I, I jazz love it. News. I just love it. I, I can't wait to see everybody out there. Okay, Dave, you got a poem for us? I, I do. Know we're coming near the yeah, yeah. Well, of course I do. Uh, it's, it's, um, let's uh, let's take a look. Let's, let's take a look at this uh, at this Tufu poem. This is this was written uh, just before the Great Rebellion of 755. That's mm-hmm. 755. That's your eighth century. Uh, just before the Great Rebellion of 755 broke out, and this is Tufu um, writing about my journey to from the capital to Feng Sen. Mm-hmm. Year's end. The grasses withered, a great wind scouring the high ridges. In bitter cold at midnight, I set out along the imperial highway. Sharp frost, my belt snaps, my fingers are too stiff to tie it. Around dawn, I pass the emperor's favorite winter palace in the Lee Hills by the hot springs. Lots of army banners against the sky. The ground tramped smooth by troops. Thick steam rises from the hot green springs. Imperial guards rub elbows. Cabinet ministers live it up. The music drifts through the wintry landscape. The hot baths here are just for important people, nothing for common folks. The silk the courtiers wear was woven by poor women. Soldiers beat their husbands, demanding tribute. Of course, our emperor is generous. He only wants the best for us. I I suppose we have to blame his ministers when government is bad. Plenty of good people at the court must be worried, especially when they see the palace gold plate carted off by royal relations. Women, like goddesses, are dancing inside all silk and perfume, Guests in sable furs, music of pipes and fiddles, camel-pad broth being served with frosted oranges and pungent tangerines. Behind those red gates, meat and wine are left to spoil. Outside lie the bones of people who starved and froze. Luxury and misery a few feet apart. My heart aches to think about it. And mine does, too. Oh, and mine, too. Things don't seem to change. Thank you, Dave. Another Radio Free Oz. This one again for the week of the 14th of November. want to thank you, David Osmond, and Dave Maloney, and Chaz Glass, and Tom Gedwillow, and, and um, uh, Phil Fountain and uh, John DeSimio and all the people that that help out here at Radio Free Oz, the Oz team, and we'll be back with you next week. Remember, you don't have to freeze outside the gates of the emperor, right? You can occupy the emperor's palace. See you, David. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.